Hear this modern-day parable, which I'll call the parable of the vacationers. Now it came to pass that Mr. Church member lifted up his eyes to the hills and said, Ah, the days of isolation have been too long. Come, let us go to the mountains where cool breezes refresh and glorious scenes await. You speak wisely, said Mrs. Church member. A vacation we must have. Yet... There are three things, yea, even four things we must do before we go. Three things I can think of, replied her husband. We must arrange for the mail to be forwarded, put our internet and cable on vacation mode, and turn off the hot water heater. But the fourth eludes me. The fourth is like the others, said his wife, yet more important than all. You shall pay our church pledge that the good name of the church may be preserved and that it may be well with you. For verily I say to you, you have more money now than you will have when you return. And it came to pass that Mr. Church member paid his pledge in advance and the treasurer and business manager rejoiced greatly saying, of a truth there are those who truly care for the Lord's work. Whether you paid your pledge early, stayed on track, or have fallen behind is not the issue today. But there is one line from the parable I would like you to remember and let float around in the back of your mind during the course of the sermon, and it is this, you have more money now than you will have when you return from vacation. We are exploring a stewardship sermon series entitled, Rooted in love, growing to give. Sensing that stewardship is as much about our faith in the future and being connected with God as it is anything else. If God is all the things we say God is, like great, magnificent, almighty, magnanimous, beneficent, and omnipresent, if God is all those things and more, then we need to let God God. So often, we want God to be our God. We want God to belong to us, almost as though we want to possess God. And when we have that perspective, we can justify our behaviors and lifestyles as they suit our needs. Because after all, God is on our side and God is with us. So the way we do things must be okay with God. Unfortunately, this perspective causes us, without even knowing it, to cast God in our image rather than the other way around. We need to remember that God doesn't belong to us. We belong to God. Friends, when our lives are going along on cruise control and everything is just fine, it is so important to remember how great and awesome God is. Like any relationship, we can take that for granted and lose the sparkle, vitality, and mystery. The psalmist of old must have known the human tendency to coast in life and take the easiest path available, which can lead to a low luster enthusiasm. And so to encourage the people of God and pump up their spiritual adrenaline, he could write the first 
five verses of Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord God and greatly to be praised. God's greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall loud your name and your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. In life, in stewardship, and in everything, the beginning means and end is God, whether we see it or not. Here is another parable-like story for our consideration, which reflects a time of being able to eat out freely. Now it came to pass on a certain day that I was to be the luncheon guest of a certain person. We entered the restaurant, and the waiter called us each by name, and after bringing us to the table, served us a delicious lunch, and later brought to the host the check. And the host examined it, and as we rose to depart, he laid some money under the edge of a plate. The waiter who stood nearby smiled happily, which being interpreted means that the gratuity was satisfactory. But as I meditated on the money that became the tip, I began to think about tips and tithes. For the proverbial tip must be at least 10%, and usually 15% or more, lest the waiter turn against you. Whereupon it came to me that only a few people treat their God as well as they honor their waiter. For the waiter, they give even a larger percentage than they pledge. But to God, they often give what they think will get them by. No, no, in life, in stewardship, and in everything, the beginning, means, and end is God whether we see it or not. Now, many people just don't see it. There are many people who give from their leftovers. They take care of their family first, pay all the bills, and yes, there are all those extras, which when taken individually don't seem like very much, but when added up are a whole lot. And then, out of the little bit leftover, they give something to God. The problem for most of us is that the more income we have, the more we spend without hardly realizing it, and the leftovers for God aren't all that much more. At our house, we eat a lot of leftovers. But can you imagine how you would like to eat from somebody else's leftovers all the time? Our scripture from Exodus talks about giving to God and for the needs of others, out of our first fruits, not out of our leftovers. Hear the text again from chapter 23, verse 16. You shall observe the festival of harvest of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. You shall observe the festival of the ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in from the field 
of the fruit of your labor. When we receive our income and any other gifts, we are called to give off the top, not off the bottom. And you know, when it comes to giving, some people will stop at nothing. (laughs) Well, the whole point of all this is that tipping won't cut it. At least not if we see it. If we get it from God's perspective, in our giving to God and the needs of others, tipping just won't cut it. Tipping is what we do after we've received something. And the amount of the tip goes up or down depending on what we get, whether or not we like it, and how the service was. You may not like to hear this, but we've had people in this church who have withheld their pledge because something wasn't to their liking. Stewardship isn't something we re- that we reward God or the church for if they do a real good job, sort of the way we reward the waiter with a tip. Stewardship is all about our trust in God through thick and thin and about our faith in the future, a future we are helping to create as a partner with God and with one another. That's why filling out our pledge cards is so important, as it expresses what we plan to give for the coming church year of 2021 and as an expression of our faith and hope for the future of the neighborhood church. If our intentions are sound, then our written commitment represents gifts which will come from our first fruits, not our leftovers, especially if they are large enough amount that they truly represent something. For most people, giving a few hundred dollars for an entire year would be like leaving a dollar for a waiter after a very expensive meal. It wouldn't even amount to 1% of most people's income. Giving 10% up or down from our first fruits of income, now that's a different matter. And it's saying yes to God and God's future. If everyone in this church were truly turned on to giving, It would be incredible what we could do in and through our ministries. A minister here in California overheard his three sons talking about what they would like to inherit when their father died. The oldest son wanted his father's car. The middle son wanted his boat. But the youngest son said, I want all of dad's canceled checks and credit card statements. The oldest said, but Mark, you couldn't get a thing. Canceled checks and credit card statements, why, they're worthless. The minister thought his youngest son might have been out to lunch when the brains were passed out. But the more the father thought about his youngest son's wish, the more he began to see the value in canceled checks and credit card statements. The story of my life could be written on those statements and pages. He said, perhaps they are the only autobiography I will ever write. A record of my hopes and dreams, a statement of my values and priorities, 
what I really believe can be seen in my canceled checks and credit card statements. If everyone in this church were truly turned on to giving, it would be apparent in each of our checkbooks and credit card statements. You see, where we put our money not only shows what we think is important, it also expresses our dreams and hopes for the future. The eccentric architect Frank Lloyd Wright was asked at the age of 90 to single out his greatest work. His answer, my next one, my next one. As long as we have life and breath and capacity, we are never finished giving unless, of course, we choose to be finished. Our greatest gifts to give may be our Next ones. Do we really believe God is in control of the future? If we do, then we will place more of our gifts into God's hands. Can God work with leftovers? Yes. But it's harder. Can the neighborhood church work with leftovers? Yes. But it's harder. When we all put our first fruits generous, generous gifts forward first. It will be amazing what God can do in and through us. Our church is not a building and neither is a house of family or what constitutes the best meaning of a home. Those things have to do with people. But a house, just like a church building, has an important function. Our pledges for 2021 represent our faith for the future and what we hope to put into our shared ministry of vitality, excitement, and renewed commitment to God. Our pledges express an important part of our hope in God for the future. And that is exciting as we offer our first fruits, not our leftovers. The psalmist wrote in verse 2 of our text, Every day I will bless you, O God, and praise your name forever. The psalmist knew the truth, that the glory of God is a human being fully alive to live, give, and serve. And it was Robert Browning who said, What we are is God's gift to us. What we become is our gift to God. So many people spend so much time trying to figure out who they are and never see that their life is a gift and thus there's very little left over to become a gift to God. This year, This year, we are asking God to open our eyes a bit wider to see the reality that we are rooted in love and growing to give. Friends, if we truly open ourselves to God, God will help us in giving living. And as we face an uncertain future, let us do so 
seeking to bless and praise God as we go and live from our first fruits. Amen.